This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It is once again a joy to begin the day with you. You're going to hear a different voice today than you have been hearing. That is because Vinny Henke is away I think it's on official official church work, so we yeah. can't really give him a, too much of a hard time for yeah. playing hooky. But thankfully, Tim Hazelbaker has graciously agreed to join us for some shows. He's Again, from, yeah. Yes. Welcome. A guest, but not really a, a new guest. He's, he's a familiar voice and face, at least to those of us here in the studio. He is at Middleton First Baptist. Tim, do you want to just give us a little bit about you and your church and any details you're willing to share with our tens and tens of listeners? Sure. Um, I grew up in Idaho in Mountain Home, and I moved to Southern California for two years. It's about as long as I could take it. My <laughs> wife and I, we met there at Calvary Chapel Bible College, and we got married, moved back here in 2014. We've been living in Caldwell since then. And in 2018, I was hired as the pastor of Middleton First Baptist Church. And if they want to find out information about your church, they would go to? MiddletonBaptist.org. We're also on Facebook and YouTube. Ah, uh, CC. Yeah. I always ask that to other people because I have no idea <laughs> okay. what our website is. Even. Yeah. <laughs> you can find us if you Google us, is what I tell them. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have been looking at different questions. Um, it's actually from a book that says it's the 50 most important questions, and we've just been kind of using this as a loose framework and guide. We're not actually using all of the 50 questions, and we're not even using the specific questions. Sometimes we ad lib and we call some audibles, um, but we're using the general structure. And today we want to just talk about the opening part of the book of Genesis. And sometimes that has caused some difficulty for some about how to read it. Um, what do we do with those opening chapters, maybe chapters one and two, but even through Chapter 9. So maybe step back for our listener and talk about how to interpret different genres in the Word of God. So what difference does it make what genre you're in when you're interpreting the Bible? I think genre makes a big difference even if you're not reading the Bible. You know, you read your newspaper differently than you read sci-fi fantasy you know, you take things differently, and Scripture is no different in the sense that there are passages that are meant to be taken historically, and there's stuff that's meant to be taken illustratively and not literally. So it, genre makes a big difference in the way you read things. And why does this specifically come into play when we're talking about the book of Genesis and the opening chapters? Well, sometimes uh, people, when they look at, at Genesis, they're going to look at it and and see it as a... You know, particularly those first few verses, 
they look at it as a, some sort of uh, poetry rather than as a literal historical account. And so it, they give poetic expression to it, which gives them a lot of room to pack their ideas into that. Poetry has a, you know, you might say it's illustrative, you know, I mean, Fred Flintstone told Wilma she had eyes as black as frying pans. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, everybody has a, it, it fosters an imagination. Whereas uh, we look at, at the opening chapters of Genesis as a literal historical account that was recorded through Moses, um, but uh, obviously under the inspiration and authority of Scripture that comes from God. And, and to be fair, it's beautiful language, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's I've heard it called exalted prose because yeah. it, in some ways it well it doesn't read like history. It's beautiful, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, it's but it's a unified, straightforward, accurate, and historical account of of creation uh, in the space of of the the days that are offered there. Mm-hmm. So, all of us here in the room believe that Genesis one and two are historical narrative. And maybe just talk through to the listener, why, why would we hold that position? Hasn't, quote unquote, science shown that we can't hold to a historical narrative reading of Genesis 1 and 2? I think, um, you know, some of the controversy or the questions arise on what is meant by a day. I mean, you would have some people quote from the New Testament or... Um, a reference, you know, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. So couldn't a day in Genesis be longer than a 24 hour period or, and I think what we have to do is we have to look at, you know, when we consider Bible interpretation, one of the first rules is you look at the immediate context and you look at how words are used. And yes, the word day in Hebrew could have a broader meaning of an age, but the vast majority of times that it used is a literal day. And uh, you also have these markers that repeatedly come up. It was evening and it was morning, the first day, the second day, the third day. So in that, God is telling us that, you know, these are Hmm. days. And uh, we might look at, well, how could there be light without the sun? Or how could there be these various things, you know, in the first three days God kind of lays the foundation and then he fills it. And what I think God is showing us in that is life is dependent not on the things that he has created that he uses to sustain life, but life is ultimately dependent on him. And uh, he is the source of life. That's a great point. And it's interesting as you get to the book of Revelation at the end of the book, God in in essence says, hey, I'm going to repeat something backwards. I'm taking away all the lights because they're not needed anymore in the temple because I'm the source of light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think there actually is this parallelism that occurs in the bookends of the Bible in the opening chapters and the last couple chapters of God saying, you wonder about a world in which there's light when there's not a source of light. Well, I am that source. Mm-hmm. I'm going to close the book on the same theme. I'm taking away the source of light or I'm taking away the artificial sources of light, if you will, mm-hmm. because there's no need because I'm there mm-hmm. and I, I can produce that on my own. Yeah, and another issue some people have is, you know, the relation between the first and second chapters of Genesis, because 
uh, on the surface, it almost looks like there's two different creation accounts, but really they, they're not conflicting one another. And you can look at it as chapter one gives us the broad overview. Uh, but then in chapter two, God zeroes in on that sixth day when he actually makes man. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I mean, even going back at the very beginning, I mean, when you, when you start with the first words of scripture, in the beginning, God, mm-hmm. um, in the beginning, God created heavens and earth. That's a phrase that fills, that ought to fill in the rest of everything that you read forward from there. Everything exists, everything that exists originates from God, you know, and God is before, you know, we're talking about God's immensity and infinity and his transcendence and all these things and his, and his creative power. All the creation is by the word of his power. He spoke everything into existence, which is, I mean, this is something, yes, that's why you say it's an elevated, this is elevated. He, he, he spoke it into existence, and it was. He, he said, let there be, and it happened. And so he, he, crea- he crea- could create with the appearance of age because he, he did. He created a man, male and female. He created them. They are created with the appearance of age. They aren't embryos in a womb. They are fully formed. So, Well, um, you also know that he created a tree that was fully formed and capable of bearing fruit right because otherwise the 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 command not to eat of doesn't make any sense if he's really saying someday there's going to be a this tree is going to grow and develop and mature and eventually will bear fruit and on that day decades later don't eat that well right. That doesn't make any sense unless God actually created age into the world that he brought forth. Age is not a negative thing. Actually, age just demonstrates God's ability to create regardless of what. So we, age creates things in our world based upon decay, based upon things breaking down. God doesn't need that to to bring about creation. Mm -hmm. Um, He can create within it things that aren't dependent upon. I mean, people talk about, well, how would there be oil or coal? or I mean, all these, and I'm like, really? God can make it. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think there are as many dilemmas as maybe what people will will impose upon the Bible because God doesn't have limitations. And I think you bring out a good point there, Russ, in that age and really life in some sense is based on decay as we know it. And we tend to take our knowledge of things and then put that back on how God made it, and really we can't do that. And the reason why is rooted, I think, in Romans chapter Mm 5, where we are clearly taught that death came through the sin of Adam. And we can't have eons, and we can't have billions of years and ages without death. There there would have to be a cycle Mm -hmm. of, of death and life and things like that. And so we know through the full revelation of God that Adam was the, his sin, his rebellion was the source of death into the creation. And that is the last enemy going back to your, you know, the bookends, the last enemy to be defeated at Christ's return is death itself and it'll be abolished. Hebrews eleven three says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God 
so that the things which are seen were not made from the things which are visible. So this is where that Latin phrase ex nihilo comes, out of nothing. He created out of nothing. So, and I think that's something that we need to fix in our mind. I think the idea also is, is there that we need to just remember that whether you believe in six days of creation or another belief system, we all have to come to the point of saying that, like Jonathan just read, there's an element of faith in whatever belief system that you have, because at the end of the day, none of us can recreate that moment. Mm -hmm. We only have the data of a broken, sin-infested world. So none of us can recreate the world and have the, the data to examine of the created world. All of us have the byproduct. And so we're making conjunctions based upon secondary data. I mean, you can't do true, quote-unquote, science with regard to, to creation. That's why there's an element of faith, because we don't have the original. Mm -hmm. And so we can't reproduce anything. And so science is, in some ways, off the table with all of the discussion of the original creation. Mm -hmm. You can't do a scientific experiment because we can't recreate. And I think one of the things that we can trust God, what God has given us through Moses this is a pastor that I go to is when Aaron and Miriam kind of rebel against Moses' authority. And God says, you know, if there's a prophet among you, I'll speak to him in dreams. But then of Moses, he says, I speak with him face to face, even plainly, not in dark sayings. He sees the form of the Lord. Uh, Moses had a pretty special relationship with God, and I think we can trust what God has given us through him. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. <laughs>